And that's what leveling up is all about. You're just kind of iterating, getting better every single day, drawing inspiration from everywhere, helping each other. And that's what it is. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We are doing some really cool stuff with the show lately. We are going to be featuring one of you on the show every single month where we are going to be coaching you live and recording it and putting it out on the show. So not only will you get featured, your business and your business idea will get featured as well. So what you need to do is rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you want extra credit, you can text the word podcast to 310-496-8363. This is a massive opportunity to get in front of millions of people. And I think that you should really go and do this because I would love to chat with you. I would love to coach you. You guys, today on my podcast is Eric Sue. He is the CEO of content intelligence software, ClickFlow, which helps you grow your traffic while looking like a genius. And who doesn't want to look like a genius? He also owns an ad agency, Single Grain, and he's worked with companies such as Amazon, Airbnb, Salesforce, and Uber to acquire more customers. He hosts two podcasts, Marketing School with Neil Patel and Leveling Up. You guys, they're both amazing. And they have a combined 30 million downloads to date. He also frequently speaks around the world on marketing and SaaS. So let's get started. Eric, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. It's so funny. Like before I even hit record, we were we were chatting and I'm like, okay, I need to hit record because we're already starting to talk about great stuff. So let's do this. So I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Lori. So, you know, you got kind of thrown into my world. I started reading your story and I'm like, oh my gosh, this human is amazing. I absolutely love, love, love the title of your book and your podcast, uh, Leveling Up. I truly feel like that, you know, first of all, I don't know how you got the domain name for any of those things because it's like super kick-ass. I'll hook you up. <laughs> and then it's it's just, you know, we were talking before this, it truly is, I think, throughout your life, that is what brings us happiness is like this constant seeking of purpose and leveling up. So first of all, I just want to know what that what that means to you because I know it has like some some double meaning as in levels of life, but leveling up, where did that, where does it even come from for you? Yeah. Um, so first of all, thanks for having me, Lori. Um, and for me, as I think probably nine when I was nine or ten years old, I I went into I had two directions I was going in. One, I was building out an MP3 website, and the other was I was actually playing a ton of games. So I was never introduced to sports or anything like that. I kind of discovered games on my own, and so I started playing all these games, and I realized that I, I had started to become pretty good at them. And not only that, I was 
joining teams. I was becoming part of communities. And these are just a lot of things that I didn't have in real life. Sure, mm-hmm. I'd play with my friends and all that. But um, you know, I, I learned that I would get stronger and stronger. A lot of these things, you know, resilience, teamwork, and all that, uh, I had learned from games and you know, the time I spent on it. And I was like, man, I think a lot of these habits can probably apply to real life. I just didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. I had told myself at 11 or 12, I'm like, man, if I could just have this type of passion in real life for something, I, I would be set for the rest of my life and I, I'd be happy because you know I, I'm just enjoying myself every day. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it started. And then it kind of progressed throughout um, you know, my, my career. But that's the, that's the short story. Okay. I love this because while I was reading parts of your book, I was like, oh, I'm loving this because I love when people draw parallels in their life with business. So, you know, for me, it was, I, I was kind of the same way. I grew up like not a lot of friends, really restrictive religion. And I found fitness and that was a sport sort of that I could play on my own kind of like, you know, gaming, but it was like, I felt like I was a part of this community, especially once, you know, Facebook and everything came out that I could like tap into this community. But I was finding that these kind of like laws or theories of fitness Um, once I started becoming an entrepreneur years later, I was like, oh, I get this. Like, I understand that you're going to do the same thing over and over and you're not going to see a result. And one day you're going to be like, oh my God, I did it. Or, you know, you're working through all of these obstacles. There's so many things like that. Um, You know, time under tension as far as like building muscle. And it's like how much weight is applied is going to make you stronger and all of these different things with like tearing yourself down. And I see that that's why I was so excited when I was reading your book. I'm like, this is exactly what he's doing. He's like gamifying life and drawing the parallels from gaming, which is so many different things that we can draw parallels from to apply to business. So I know share a little bit more about your story, just so people can kind of have a bit more of your backstory before we dive into that. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I was the ultimate failure growing up. So, I mean, I didn't enjoy going to school. I almost got kicked out of high school mm-hmm. just because I didn't feel like going to this one history class uh, my senior year. Um, <laughs> and then in college, I actually almost got kicked out um, my first year. I had six withdrawals and I think I had one or two Fs. My grades had never been that poor before. Mm-hmm. But I was just... That year, my, my, my logic for doing that was I wanted to play World of Warcraft. And I just... Other than that, I would go to the casino and play a ton of poker. So I was just, I just wanted to play games. Yeah. I just wanted to get better. Poker because I could compete with people a lot older, a lot more experienced than me. Uh, World of Warcraft, I got to compete with some of the best teams in the world. And we'd wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. And, and just do things other people just aren't willing to do, right? So to play at that high level and to enjoy what I'm doing, that was what it was all about. So you know, I during college, I got fired from one job and I got fired from another job when I was about 24, 25 years old. So I was... You know, to my parents, to my friends, I remember one of my friends told me, this is actually just a couple of years ago. He said, one of the, his group said, Eric, that guy had nothing going for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look at him now, right? So that's exactly what they thought of me. This guy had nothing going for him. So I was very lost until maybe about 23 or 24 years old when um, I was introduced to this, this uh, digital marketing thing. And the cool thing about, you know, digital marketing, whether you want to call it social, SEO, whatever, it feels like a game. And one of my friends that he, he comes from private equity, you know, the, the big investment banks as well. He's like, dude, like what you're doing is you're playing games right now. This feels mm-hmm. exactly like how we, how we were like growing up because he used to play with me. So that's kind of the, the backstory. But I, from after the digital marketing thing, I really never looked back because I kept looking for the next thing, right? So first started with SEO, started learning all these other channels. So a year into it, I basically became became a VP of marketing for an online education startup. A year after that, I became the number two of the ad agency that I now own. 
And then six months into that, I took over the agency. So from about 23 till age 26 or so, it was like a whirlwind. And I think the key thing here is that I found what I liked and I leveled up rapidly, right? So Mm. that's one example of it. Mm. Okay, so this leads me to the question. And I know that I had asked you before, like what what is exciting you the most right now about this? And it sounds kind of like, you know, honestly, I feel like, throughout reading part of your book and what what you're saying, like you kind of feel like you find the keys to the universe when you realize like these different things that you were learning and that you're, you know, applying what you're excited about to these other things you're excited about. So I would like to know, you know, what is it that really excites you about this like leveling up that you've kind of discovered and learned about? Like what is most exciting to you right now? You know, people often talk about creating a vision or a mission and a mission is my mission is to level up the world. And some people might say, well, that's very broad. You know, you never accomplish that. And, you know, my response is exactly, I'll never ever accomplish that. And that's what a mission's all about. Mm. And so for me personally, I just love learning and I love teaching, right? Everything we've been able to build so far, whether it's through the podcast audiences, you know, growing our traffic, email lists, whatever, and, you know, throwing our own events, speaking, whatever, all, all, all this whatever accolades, that's all kind of whatever to me because like that's part of the journey. But it's all because we, started learning first and we started teaching. Um, and so I teach at you know USC over here sometimes um, in, in Southern California. I teach at Pepperdine sometimes and I teach... I just love doing that. Mm. And so for me personally, I love leveling up every single day. And um, those that have that mindset, those that want to continue to grow, you know, come along with the journey with me, come along mm. for the journey with me. And you know, I'm totally open to... I'm just going to continue to do that and um, enjoy it. You know, it's, it's a game that's never going to end for me. I don't have... Sure, I might have a target that I want to hit in terms of numbers, by the time I die. But um, you know, I'm just waking up every day trying to get 1% better. And that comes from the, the late Tony Shea. Okay. I love this. And, and you talk about, you say, you know, anybody can win at life and business. What, what makes you think that anybody can win at life and business? Yeah. I mean, you know, hanging out, you and I were just talking about Clubhouse before um, we, <laughs> we went live, but I'm addicted to Clubhouse right now. And we have a lot of these people that are hanging out in the rooms. You know, one person's a CMO, what was the CMO of Fashion Nova? And then there's all these other big companies, whether they're, you know, seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs. A lot of them, they didn't graduate school and they were seen as ultimate failures before. Mm-hmm. Some people, they grew up in, in really tough situations. They had single moms or, you know, they just they didn't have anything going for them, no college, nothing, right? They didn't graduate high school. And so you know, they didn't let them, their circumstances define kind of, you know, how the rest of their their, their life is going to look. They continue to figure out a way. They continue to level up and they got to where they are. And I think that's what it is. It's, you know, it's um, life is not about, you know, taking a couple of tests and life doesn't go linearly that way. It kind of goes all over the place. And so you have to kind of go along the way. And the book talks about collecting power-ups along the way, right? Whether it's certain habits or, or, or things like that. But you have to continue to get stronger and you have to continue to seek. And if you're able to do that, you'll continue to level up. And I just think there's no way to fail because you know, um, I think if these people can do it, if I can do it, I think anybody can do it, right? Because again, I got fired twice. I almost got kicked out of school twice. So I just don't, I don't see why not. Yeah, I love that. I do think that we all have our own unique gift that we truly just have to find what kind of like what you said, like where is that place that interests you and then learn all you can about it and realize that those things can be applied in so many different ways. So you talk about power-ups, kind of like these habits that can be applied. Are there universal 
habits that you have found? Because you do a podcast, you know, you do, I'm sure, tons of interviews, conversations. You're on Clubhouse having all of these conversations. And what comes through these conversations is you see these kind of like universal truths of successful people. What do you think those are? Yeah, I mean, it's there's, I mean, there's, I can go on and on, but I would say, one of the key ones, and you and you, you, you probably know this just as well as I do, it's persistence. It's not yeah. giving up too quickly. Um, I think having a growth mindset, just continuing to seek to to improve, to be better. But I also think it's really important, and and some people I think fall short of this. It's having a beginner's mindset, mm-hmm. meaning that you know you you're not you're never as good as they say you are. You're never as bad as they say you are. You're just constantly <laughs> operating from that position, right? I think some people, as they become more successful, they develop their ego, which. Mm-hmm. Um, it off, more often than not, doesn't help that much. I think one thing that's counterintuitive is stealing, right? You know, I have one chapter on thievery, and you know, it talks about ethically stealing. But that word causes a visceral effect in people, in most people, because you just you don't want to be known as a stealer or a copier. Mm-hmm. Most of us like to think that we're original. But if you think about what Steve Jobs says, he's like, everything in life is a remix, right? Yeah. And you know, you think about. The mouse, they took that from Xerox. They took the, the the GUI, the graphical user interface. They took that from Xerox as well. So a lot of iterations are going on. And I think that's, we're building on the shoulders of giants. And that's what leveling up is all about. You're just kind of iterating, getting better every single day, drawing inspiration from everywhere, helping each other. And that's what it is. Uh, that's so important for people to hear because truly every, everything that I've ever done or, or looked at, I've always just said, you know, like, how can I put my own spin on it? Because if I'm thinking this way, there's got to be other people thinking this way, or how can I make it better? And that's right. just where everything comes from. And I, it's funny, I had a girl, um, I still have this girlfriend, but she was like, literally, you know, that friend that you have that's just like stuck in their life for like yeah. five, seven years. And you can see why they're stuck, but that you just have to let, like, let, them run into walls. And the thing that she was stuck over literally for like seven years was I have to come up with my original idea. Like, who am I? What is my message? And I was on this train that was just moving forward really fast because I understood immediately that no message is original. Like I, they're they're just not like, we're all getting these, you know, I, I think it's Plato who has that theory. That's like, you know, there's this cloud that's all these ideas come from. And, you know, we're all kind of like tapped into this place where all of these ultimate ideas come from. And it's just like, are you going to be the person who's willing to, you know, take that idea all the way through to the end or put your, put your spin on it? Like, are you going to be a good steward of that message that you're receiving? And no, like this is not original. We're all kind of tapped into that. So that's huge. I mean, it's the whole message part is is important because the, the the message is the story, the unique story that you have, and nobody else can can claim that or or copy mm-hmm. that. And I think a lot of people are too. Maybe like I remember when I was working on the book, my mom said, "Who are you to write a book?" Right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, um, and I think that probably comes from within. Like you know, she probably th- doesn't think she's good enough, right? And so I think a lot of people tend to think like that, right? And it's it's a self defeating thing, but I think it's just important to know that that in itself is original. Mm. Okay. So that just brings me to the quick question uh, about, you know, how, how did you feel when your family maybe wouldn't support you? And of course, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we all love our families and all of those things, but usually that's kind of the place where we can really get rocked, sidetracked, thrown off because we feel like these people know us the best and we should listen to them. So um, tell me a little bit about that. Like, were you always supported and how did you move through that? Oh, I mean, I love it, right? I think it's probably, I don't know if it's like a, my my Asian tiger mom thing mm-hmm. where she just, it's a constant beat down, right? Mm-hmm. So even like 
growing up, what would happen was instead of asking, why are you so interested in games? It was, no, you need to do homework. And they would take away my keyboard. They would take away my mouse. We'd get in these really (laughs) big fights. So it was a constant struggle. And um, they would constantly compare me to, you know, um, those like my my peers, basically. Mm. Um, Look at your cousin, look at these people, blah, blah, blah. Look at them, look at them. And, you know, when are you going to get this, right? So it was constantly feeling like you're not good enough. And so the chip on my shoulder that I have, I think it's really important for everyone to explore the wiring that they have from their childhood mm-hmm. is I didn't feel like I was acknowledged growing up. So I have a chip on my shoulder and I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just how I'm wired. So even to this day, I think even when I took over the company at 26 or 27 years old, they're like, you know, who are you to take over the company? Like you don't have the experience, right? Who are you to write a book, right? Mm-hmm. And that drives me. And so I've learned to reframe that in my mind saying, hey, you know what? The, 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 the psychological pain is actually good. So I don't get beaten down by that. Um, I actually get stronger from it. Mm. And so like, I'm not going to lie. It, sure, it hurts in the interim, but I quickly reframe it into something else. So that's kind of a, like a mental jujitsu that you can do. If there's something going on in your head, if you can somehow reframe it into something positive, you can turn it into a strength. Oh man, I love that you pointed that out. That is literally the story of my life. Like I I you can tell me anything or give me anything and I feel like I can take that shit sandwich and turn it into something <laughs> like amazing. Um Yeah, most but, people can't do that. Most people break from the feedback. Yeah, and it's you know, it's it's crazy because there's there is truly no matter how traumatic or tragic, there is something that you learn from it, or even if even if there's like nothing that you can find, it's always that concept of like, wow, if I can if I can get through this, then there is like nothing that can be thrown at me that I 100%. won't be able to get through. So there is there really is always something. So what is it you know that you think as far as maybe bringing other people into your world, or um, you know, I know that you talk about teamwork. What is it with? you know, let's talk about collaboration and the the power of collaboration. Have you found, because it sounds like you were a bit of a solo person for a while, especially gaming. And, you know, I found myself in kind of a solo world as well. What changed for you as far as when you kind of like connected, collaborated or brought people into your world? So at 10 or 11 years old, um, these MMORPG games, so these are massive worlds, right? Role-playing games mm. started coming out. So those that know World of Warcraft, there was a game before that called EverQuest. And that's where I first started to get a taste of what collaboration really felt like. And so at, at that age, by the way, being able to, like, it, it was basically me trying to apply for Google at the time because I was trying to apply for the best team. There was tryouts and, and all these things. Wow. And so... I I mean, to, to do the best things, to do the most important things in the game, I had to be a part of the best team. Um, so I, I had to learn at that age to kind of, you know, build relationships, quote unquote, network. I had to learn how to talk to people. I had to learn how to perform. And all of these actually apply to, to, to real life. So I, I learned that at a pretty early age. And were some of these um, people a lot older people? Like, I don't know how that works. Were some yeah, people... I mean, okay. So a lot of these people were in college and a lot of these people were, were you know, professionals. A lot, some were lawyers. Some people were like rich people that owned planes and oh things God, like and that. Oh my God, and you were how old? I was 11. Oh and my they, they, God. Yeah. yeah, they took me under their wing and, yeah. and they like, they didn't mind. They didn't, by the way, what was important to me was they accepted me for who I was. They mm. accepted me based on merit. They didn't judge me based on my age and they treated me as an equal. And wow. I couldn't find that in real life. And kind of the... Kind of what you're talking about, Lori, I, I mean, you found your your community. And I think that's what all human beings are looking for. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, looking through this pandemic, we all crave that human connection, which is why you and I have been talking about Clubhouse. So, mm-hmm. 
totally. Okay. That is absolutely crazy. I can only imagine what you learned through having to have those conversations. You know, and I think that that is one of the biggest pieces kind of about leveling up is you are only going to go to the level in which it is that you're putting yourself like kind of in these rooms or in these games or throwing yourself into these things. So what do you do now, Eric? Because you're like very, very smart. There's probably not a ton of rooms. I know there still are these, you know, quote unquote, rooms out in the world with a lot uh, of people smarter than you. But how do you seek out, like, do you seek resistance? Do you seek, how do you put yourself into these spaces where you continue to level up? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, I mean, one thing I I, I think um, it is important for people to know, you don't deserve to go to the next level until you've beaten the current one. Mm. And so what I do, I think to your point, it's if I'm constantly trying to level up every day, it's it also means putting myself in into uncomfortable situations. So to your point, I mean, when I first took over the company, I ended up joining a group called Entrepreneurs Organization. So, you know, that level is you have to be doing a million a year, um, you know, at least in revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my goal after that, right immediately after joining was, I'm, I was like, okay, I'm going to join YPO. For YPO, which is Young Presidents Organization, um, it's another kind of peer group of entrepreneurs worldwide. You have to be doing 13 million plus, right? And so, you know, that was, you know, I, I stayed in EO for a while and then I joined YPO actually in, in, in 2020. Um, and so... I'm constantly looking for the next thing. And I know that there's other groups out there. So for me, I'm I'm like, okay, even though I'm part of this level right now, what's the next level? And I'll start asking mm-hmm. a lot of people and they'll naturally tell me, hey, this is the next progression. This is the next progression. And even, even in Clubhouse, I try to put myself into uncomfortable situations, right? Sometimes I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll join uh, rooms where it's, you know, you have Asian people talking about, complaining about the nine to five and I'll join, I'll give a country and an answer. Or sometimes I'll join a room where I'm the only yellow person, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it'll be it'll be awkward, but it'll be kind of funny. But then like I'll ease into it, right? So I do like to put myself into those positions as long as it's not going to put me in physical harm. So, mm. Okay. So I think the thing about that for people is obviously they're afraid to do that. So they're like, yeah, that sounds like a really great idea, Eric. But when they go and do it, they don't have kind of a... I, I know in order for me to have started doing those things, I almost have to have a plan of how I'm going to support myself around if like shit goes awry, right? Like... <laughs> Maybe you put yourself in that situation, you say something and people kind of come at you. Like that's the ultimate fear, right? Like kind of like, okay, what if it's rejected? What if someone calls me out? What if it gets weird? Or what if I don't know the answer? So how do you mentally prepare to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation where things like that could happen? Yeah, that's a great question. And that actually reminds me of my poker days in college. So just for context, again, going back to ultimate failure, when I was about 19 or 20 years old, I went into about $25,000 in credit card debt. Mm. Uh, my credit score dropped to 480. So in the United mm. States, it's it's based out of 850. So I basically didn't qualify for anything, couldn't get yep. a car loan or a home loan. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, what I learned from poker that's really important is that poker teaches you resilience. So you can be playing your A game literally three months or six months straight or even 12 months straight and you can lose, right? Because it's mm-hmm. just math. And, you know, poker teaches you a lot about bankroll management, um, teaches you about, you know, thinking in bets. There's all these dynamics that apply to the world of business, but it teaches you how to take risk, right? And I think that's, poker has basically numbed me into, you know, I have a bigger tolerance for risk than most people. So my take on it is, for me personally, I'm not saying this will work for everyone, is burn the ships, go mm-hmm. and do it. And, and so what if you fail, right? What's the worst case scenario? If you keep working, if you keep working towards uh, leveling up, you're going to make 
your worst case scenario, someone else's best case scenario, right? Mm. So let's say, you know, you're you're someone that goes out there, you're you're a VP at a job, you're getting making like 250, 300 grand a year or something like that. You decide to start a business. Let's say you fail on the business in two to three years, but the beauty of that is all the learnings you got from that business, amazing, right? Mm. And your worst case scenario is you can always go back to that high paying job. So your worst case scenario is someone else's best case scenario. And that's how that's that's another reframe that people can be thinking about. Because mm. really at the end of the day, if it's not fatal to you, you know, it's gonna be a good lesson. Hey, hey, let's take a break. I want to tell you about our sponsor, Indeed. If you're growing a business like I am, you know that one of the most important things you could possibly ever do is hire. And I always talk about how important it is to find good people and to find people who are better than you and to hire around your weaknesses. So Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. You can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates with zero weight. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash happy. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash happy. Indeed.com slash happy. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Real quick, I have to tell you about my husband, Chris, and I's new favorite obsession. You guys, I found it in the grocery store and now I have been ordering it nonstop. Super coffee is really healthy. It's a delicious alternative to sugary coffee drinks and it tastes like a freaking frappuccino. It combines the caffeine from two cups of coffee with protein and healthy fats to give you hours of focused energy with no jitters or crash. Did you know that Starbucks frappuccino has 52 grams of sugar and 370 calories? That's like starting your day with a double cheeseburger. You guys, super coffee is just as delicious as frappuccino, but contains listen to this, zero grams of sugar, 10 grams of protein, and only 80 calories per bottle. It's keto-friendly, lactose-free, and gluten-free. Super Coffee's bestseller is their bottled coffees, but they also make tasty canned espressos, coffee creamers, and ground coffee. You guys, Chris is obsessed with the canned espressos. They're only 35 calories, and they're freaking delicious. When I say they taste good, I mean that they are like my afternoon treat that I think about all day long. I'm obsessed and they even help curb my cravings. Super Coffee was recently named the fastest growing food and beverage brand in America by Inc. Magazine. You guys, I am so obsessed with them that I actually reached out to them because I'm so in love with this product. Super Coffee has a 60-day money-back guarantee, meaning if you don't love it, you get your money back, no questions asked. We've worked out an exclusive deal for Earn Your Happy listeners that you get to receive 25% off your entire first purchase. I recommend trying one of their best-selling variety packs or bundles. It's a great way to try all the delicious flavors. To claim this deal, go to drinksupercoffee.com forward slash Lori, or you can just use the code Lori 
at checkout. That's L-O-R-I. Super Coffee is also available nationwide in over 25,000 stores like Target, Whole Foods, Walmart, Kroger, and CVS. You guys, trust me. You got to try it. Let me know what you think. Okay. Bye. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. You have to be a little bit like you almost have to be a little crazy. I don't know. I'm just thinking yeah. of like right now, you know, I got I got the vision for this company that I'm starting right now and I, you know, ha- raising money. I'm I'm raising money from a lot of people that I know, a lot of, you know, people that are in my network, a lot of like high net worth people and it's and friends and people who it's first time investments and things like that and I have had to go down that road. Like I've had to face that road of like, what happens if this fails and I lose all these yep. people's money? Like, and and that would usually paralyze most people. And I've had to just say, well, you know, if I fully share with them what the, you know, what could possibly happen that they could lose their investment and I'm super upfront and I tell them the expectations, but that I'm gonna, you know, be the best steward of this money that I possibly can in this business, then I, I think it's like it's like you just have to you have to get right with that. Like you have to be okay with that. How do you so how do you personally do that when there are like people involved in your life that you have a lot of respect for that you could potentially disappoint? How do you manage thoughts like that? Yeah, totally. I mean, we have investors for our, our software product. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually, have, I think there's like over a hundred people on the cap table. And, you know, for us, kind of to your point, Lori, we do keep them up to date. We, we, give, we send them investor updates once a month. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if there's anything to report on with traction, new hires, anything like that, we're just very transparent. Um, if things aren't going well, we're very transparent as well. You know, we do have a contingency, or it's not a contingency plan, but if the company does fail, knock on wood, what would happen is, you know, we would, we would actually reach out to each and every uh, individual investor and just say, hey, here's exactly what happened. I'm so sorry. Uh, thank you so much for believing in us. So maybe you get a next at bat from these people. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a large chunk are not going to believe in you for the next one, but you still, you're going to have goodwill built up with a, uh, with a portion of them, right? So I think, you know, honesty is is, is the, the, the best policy. And I think I might have missed your your overall question. Did I did I get it or not? No, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of it is just, you know, how do you deal with it? It sounds like you have kind of like thought of that in your head, but how do you personally, let's say, you know, your company fails, how do you personally like at night when you're going to bed, yeah. like kind of deal with the thoughts that can come of the feelings of disappointing yeah. people? You know, um, I remember so when I I took over my my company. Um, so what one of the companies is, is an ad agency called Single Grain. And originally there were five partners in the company. They actually hired me on to help save the company. And six months into it, the four of them decided that they wanted out. And so I was able to basically acquire the company for um, basically, you know, almost nothing out of pocket. Mm. And, you know, a year into it, we had dropped all the way down to one employee. I had read this book called Let My People Go Surfing. And I took the title literally. So I just like, oh yeah, let my people go surfing. So not going to come to the office, go let them do their thing, you know, autonomy, let them people let them figure it out. And what ended up happening was, you know, people stopped, people stopped coming into the office. People, um, the ones that did would come in with like a bag of chips and watch Family Guy. And um, it was just crazy stuff going on, right? Uh-huh. And I remember my outside accounting firm called me and they said, hey, um, I think it might be time to shut it down. And at the time, I got a job offer that would actually it would pay pretty well. We're talking like we're talking about seven figures um, mm. and uh, a year. And you know, I I said yes. And at the moment, I said yes. I was like, holy crap! I can't do this. I can't ever go back to to work for someone. And I 
even though there was a ton of pressure at the time, I was like, no, we just have to, we just have to power through. Mm. We just have to keep going here. Here's where the resilience comes back in because everyone else, even my, my, my podcast co-host, um, Neil, he was a partner in the agency. He's like, dude, Eric, there's no brand equity here. There's nothing here. You should get out. And I think sometimes it requires you to be, to your point, it requires you to be crazy. Maybe mm-hmm. you see something that other people don't. And if being crazy isn't enough, you actually have to power through it and you actually have to see it through. Mm-hmm. So um, I think for me, it, it, as painful as it was, I think I was numb enough to um, continue dealing with it. Mm. You know, it, you did something there though. Like you did the op, you, you, you took that, you said yes to the, that job. And then you allowed yourself to kind of envision what that would be like. And you were like, oh, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> like sometimes... I, I, I'll tell you what, Lori, I mean, that that the, the person that um, referred me to the job, I actually gave, I hot potatoed it back to him. And what I predicted exactly was going to happen, that the company would have to lay off a ton of people and they would basically have to shut down. That's exactly what happened. But anyway, oh keep goodness. going. Sorry. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. No, but that's... It's, it's literally... Uh, so this kind of applies to that, but it's like the almost like the takeaway. Like I always play this game with myself, which is funny because you talk about gamifying life and I truly, truly do. Um, I always do this thing called the takeaway. Like if I, you know, when I was about to start this company, I'd asked myself, I was like, oh my God, should I do this? You know, I spent like six months in this like hardcore, like questioning if this is what I want to do because it was so opposite of anything I had ever done. And then I say, okay, if somebody came to me and said, you know, I'm, you absolutely, you can do anything you want in the world except for this. Like we're taking this totally off the plate. You're never allowed to do it. Um, It's not even in like the realm of possibilities for you. And if I get like a crazy visceral, like reaction. I was like, oh my God, what in the hell would I do with my life if not this? And and that's always been huge for me is like, do the do the takeaway, like kind of like gamify it. Like what if what if these options aren't on the plate? Like what what then? Like what now? So for you, what is something that if you if it was like taken off the plate for you and your life's purpose, you feel like you'd die? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think also Lori, it's it's um I, I think it's important for everyone to know that, Lori, what you just talked about is these are mental models, right? The, mm-hmm. the takeaway, that's a tool for you to use. So if you think about Batman or, or Batwoman, they, they have a lot of tools in their tool belt. Mm-hmm. And um, I highly recommend, you know, there's uh, Farnham Street. It's all about mental models. These are essentially ways for you to um, think about things, right? Because a lot of people actually don't spend a lot of time thinking. So an example mm-hmm. of that might be, you know, if Lori decides to start this business, you know, what are the second order consequences? Maybe she can't work on her current stuff. And what are the third order consequences there? Maybe, you know, revenue might dip for a little bit, right? Who knows? But um, I think it's really important to understand that concept because the leveling up book um, does talk about mental models and power-ups and things mm. like that. But you have to continue to go collect these these um, these mental models and you have to continue to sharpen the sword too. It just, it's not because you learn about it once and that's enough. You have to keep refining. Mm-hmm. So um, your original question was, um, what's if something was taken, what would be that one thing, right? Yeah. Where I'm just you going crazy? Yeah. Um, I think my ability to teach. So mm-hmm. whether it's through podcasting or YouTube or um, you know going to the colleges, because if you said Eric, what's the one thing you would do if you had no work right now? It would be to continue to learn and teach. So mm-hmm. I think um, that growth mindset—that's probably the most important attribute, at least for for me personally. Hmm, I love that. So what does it, I so relate to that? Like I definitely have the like the teacher archetype for sure. I I feel like most of what I learn is like the reason I'm starting this company is because I want to then model and teach women how to create a company like this. Um so I love that. I fully understand that to my That's core. Awesome. What excites you about teaching? What what do you 
Eric, personally feel like when you are like in it and teaching? Like, what does that actually feel like in your body and your brain? Yeah, that's that's such a great question. Selfishly, it feels like a drug. Yeah. So (laughs) people's eyes light up, Mm. and you know that you've impacted them, and it's like, holy crap! Someone got a key takeaway where it's going to affect the rest of them Mm -hmm. um, for the for the rest of their lives. That feels amazing in itself. Sure, you know the 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 views or the ratings. That stuff is great, but I think being able to look at that and be like, okay, long term, I know this is how this person is going to turn out, right? Because sometimes when I teach at um, let's say if I teach at USC, there's always one kid in the class that's really curious and is asking great questions. And so, you know, for those, I actually end up building a long-term relationship with, and it's just, and I continue to keep in touch with them. And even former employees that are very curious, I continue to keep in touch with them because I continue to learn from them and they continue to learn from me. And there's a dopamine hit, I think, when, when they kind of acknowledge that they've learned something from me. So it's a very, um, part of it is selfish, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the key. I think that's like going where the energy is, right? Like figuring out where your energy is really like high and lifted and where you kind of feel like you're levitating. That's that's the key to success. Like if right. you can spend more of your days in that feeling than not, then that is just like in alignment with who you are and, and, and why you're here. So, 100%. okay. If we were uh, like two cups of coffee in, two glasses of wine in. Don't know if you drink at all. Um, But with that said, if we were in that place where we were just deep in discussion, what would be something that we finally get to where you're just like, yes, this is like the good stuff, the good conversation, the stuff of like life. What is that for you? Yeah, I think it's... um, I get the most kick when I talk to my other... um, my other founder buddies about asymmetric bets, right? So asymmetric bets means if you're making a bet on something, you might gain 10 to 100x return, right? And you might mm-hmm. lose not that much. So the idea here is um, there's this book called uh, Dundo Investing. That's D-A-N-D-H-O Investing. And the concept here is when you're when you're making these bets, you want to make sure that heads you win, tails you don't lose much or you don't mm-hmm. lose at all. So I love talking about this because this doesn't just apply to business, but applies to... To, to real life as well. So I'll give you an example of an asymmetric bet um, from, from a business perspective. With single grain, going back to the, the ad agency, when I was negotiating the buyout, I basically paid $1 for Neil's shares for 10%, another dollar for you know, another partner's shares, 10%. And the rest of the, the, the payout would be through the profits of the company with a contingency of if the company failed, I would owe nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So for me at that age, I was like, okay, I'm in my 20s. I have a shot here because if I make it work, my upside is going to be unlimited, basically. Mm. If it doesn't work, it's going to be an amazing learning experience. I can say that I ran a company and that's going to help me with my career moving forward because you know, people like to hire executives that have, um, that have you know, experience running something, right? And so that to me is like, okay, I'm not putting in much. I'm not, I'm not going to lose much. So I'm going to go all in on this. And so that bet made all the sense, but to to everyone around me, it made zero mm. sense, right? So you got to be able to see something that other people aren't seeing. And it's the same thing with, you know, I, I think asymmetric bets would also be, you know, thinking about where you live as well, right? Something as simple as that, because mm-hmm. that has a big impact on the rest of your life too, so. Oh man, okay. So I can, yes, we're we're talking about this. Okay, 
So with that said, <laughs> so an asymmetric bet. So yes, you're saying like from, you know, your, your inner like financial workings and all of those things, like you kind of figure out why it works for you and other people may not see it. But also, and I'm sure the book talks about it, which now I'm going to get this book. Sometimes I, I'm wondering, does, do they talk about in this book or with this theory that sometimes like an asymmetric bet like the upside is something that you can create and through perspective. I'll I'll give you an example. Kind of like, okay, so let's say, you know, my husband and I have invested in this company. We put a lot of money in, um, you know, that if the company doesn't go, yes, we lose all of that money. But the upside for us that we are creating and seeing is that we're going along for the journey. We're learning so much. Like we feel like we're getting a masterclass in investing. We also get to say we're investors and, you know, we have all these different things that now we're invested in all these other companies because of this first kind of like lesson and these upsides that we learned by investing in this company, which still isn't sold, but we feel we've already made our money back because of that. Yeah. I think that totally counts because not only are you um, the, the the payoff can be asymmetric, but the learnings are also asymmetric too, right? So nobody can ever take away that learning from you. Hmm. Um, and if you think about venture capital, usually what happens is there's going to be one or two bets in their portfolio that are going to be the big ones, right? The, the Ubers or, you know, the Amazons of the world, right? Or whatever, yeah. the, you know, Peloton, whatever. Um, maybe, you know, they'll have 10 to 20 investments that will do, you know, perform like 10x and the rest of them are going to be failures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's roughly around those numbers. And so venture capital in itself is asymmetric. And I think, um, you know, I, I think it's also important to understand that it's okay if more than half of your stuff fails, because right? mm-hmm. this is how most investing is, right? If you yeah. think about... Berkshire Hathaway, same deal with Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. If it, I remember Charlie Munger saying, if it weren't for these 10 stocks in their portfolio, um, they'd have a very average return on, on just kind of across the board. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Okay, definitely want to get um, that book. Okay, so when you're thinking of, you know, when you're having these conversations with your friends, what are things that you guys like get excited about looking at, investing in? Where do you see for you a lot of things that, um, you know, excite you out in the world? Like what are some ideas or concepts? Yeah, I think, I, I think you know, the normal entrepreneurial ADD is you want to try everything. You want to do everything. Yeah. And you think you're a superwoman or superman. And um, the, the reality is when you think about, let's use Warren Buffett again or Bill Gates as an example. When, when they asked the two, what's the most important thing that leads to success? They both wrote one word on a piece of paper and it said focus. Uh-huh. So at least for me right now, and when I talk to my friends, we're all talking about buying other businesses. But mm-hmm. when we think about buying other businesses, because you know, obviously it's asymmetric, right? It can work out really well. You're buying, you're buying, you know, assets, you're buying, you know, teams and all that. So, you know, we try to keep it within our area of competence. So for me, I operate in the world of, of marketing. So mm-hmm. marketing software, I invest in other SaaS companies. Um, I'm looking at buying other, um, you know, potential services business too, that will tie in with my audience. Mm-hmm. Now, my friend's company, he has a portfolio of, of, of pet companies and he just focuses on that. My other friend, focuses just on WordPress, right? And my other one focuses on, on telecoms. But we just try to stay around those um, because once, once we start to stray away from it, we're not going to have an advantage. We do have an advantage because whatever I plug in that's related to marketing, I can plug into my audience. Same thing with the other people. So that's the type of stuff that we nerd out on um, mm-hmm. because you know I think growing up, we think, okay, you know, we need to get a salary, we need to get a good paying job. And then, you know, they're, they're going to give us a pension. The next level is, okay, we're going to start a business. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You're going to make a lot more, but if you can go out there and acquire other businesses and invest in other businesses, that's actually a lot less work. And you're going to get your time back and you're going to have situations where 
they they multiply your output, right? So one plus one equal doesn't isn't just two. It's it's more like you know one plus one equals like five or something like that, right? Because you have so many synergies with all the stuff that you're working on. Okay, so let's rewind just for people who are like, oh damn, I'm not even you know I'm working on starting my own business or trying to figure that out. What mm-hmm. point did you start looking at? Wait a minute, there's this world that I could you know I, I've kind of looked at or I've kind of done my own business. Um, going into, you know, acquiring other businesses, that's like a, a totally different, you know, level, um, totally different animal that you're dealing with. Um, so for you, when you first, what, when did that idea first even kind of like come into your radar and what did you do to start learning about that? Yeah, I, I think I would be a bad example of this because when I was 22 or 23, um, I actually bought an e-commerce store for like with my life savings at the time, which was like $4,000, um, that <laughs> failed. And then I, I tried buying an IT training site. That one failed as well. And then um, single grain, I actually... So those two I bought and failed. Mm-hmm. And single grain technically was a mergers and acquisitions thing. I'm air quoting because it's like, it wasn't really. It was just me buying it, quote unquote. <laughs> but I, what I would say is I started learning more about it just by having conversations with mm-hmm. people. So it does matter who you're hanging around with. And yes. if you're saying you don't have that network, then I... What I started doing was initially I would go to conferences and I would connect the speakers together and I would host a dinner and I'd pay for it, right? So I become kind of the, the center of all that. But mm. I digress. So no, that's a great tip. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it's it's you start reading about, you start having these conversations and you start looking at what other people are doing. You know, who are the biggest companies? What are they doing? And I'm not saying everyone needs to aspire to that. I just want to know what they're doing. Mm. And so I read this book called uh, Buy Then Build. Um, that's a great book. And there's another one called Buying a Small Business. That's from Harvard Business Review. I think if you're interested in that, you could potentially skip the level where you're operating a business and go directly to buying it. I personally wouldn't recommend it, but there are some people that have done it before, right? You would just need to learn how to hire an operator. So there's different... um, Sometimes you can skip to a level, but you just need to understand the different dynamics of, of what else you need to make happen if you're going to skip a level. Sometimes you can combine levels. And so... You know, the game of life is really different for everyone. So let's talk about that for a second. Just this idea of, I, I think when people are first either starting out or even if they've been in business for a while, if they're thinking of a concept, sometimes they think they need to know everything. You know, like, oh my gosh, I need to be the CEO. I need to know how to do my, who knows, supply chain. Or if it's, you know, uh, something more like you do. I have no idea the lingo for what you do, so I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm sure there's a lot in your business that you don't know that you hire teams for, or that maybe even if you're starting something, maybe you find a CEO to run it who actually knows exactly the ins and outs. So can you tell me like an experience of something like that where you really didn't know anything about it and you just kind of built a team around you? Totally. And you know, I think in in your twenties you're learning, and then you know, thirties, forties, you're you're earning. And I think in in my twenties, I'm when I say learn, you're learning how to do things. And I think once the company gets to a certain size, you start to realize, holy crap! Like, I can't pretend to be the best at everything. In the beginning, you are. You're doing everything. You think you're a superwoman or, or Superman, um, but then you realize, you know, at the end of the day, anything great requires a team. You know, SpaceX is not just Elon Musk; it's his team, and so. I think it's important to understand who, not how to do it, but who can do it, mm. right? And so a lot of these things, and I recommend this book called Who, it's, it's with a question mark. His name's Jeff Smart. And you know, I'm just like, okay, forget it. Like, I'm not good at recruiting, right? I'm not good. Actually, no, that's, that's not true. Let's say I'm not good at finance, right? I don't like doing pivot tables. I don't like doing, dealing with accounting. Um, I just don't like, for me personally, I don't like attention to details. Mm. And so I just like moving to the next thing, the next thing. I, I like 
you know, there's the concept of the visionary and the integrator, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to understand who you are. You know, take those personality tests, right? So take a strengths finder. You know, there's a bunch of other stuff that you can take to really understand yourself a little better. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're the end all be all, but um, you know, from there you build around your weaknesses. And what you ultimately want to be doing is understanding that. Even, let's say you're the best at marketing. Um, that's actually a crutch on the company because the guy that founded EO, Vern Harnish, he has a really good quote that I remember to this day. The founder or the CEO's strength is the company's greatest weakness, Mm. right? The ultimate goal of the CEO or the leader is financing. So whether it's raising money or getting more cash from customers, that's one thing. It's recruiting and it's vision, right? Those are the three main things um, for a a quote-unquote CEO or a leader. Now, beyond that, your goal, like as you get stronger and stronger, is to be like, forget that. I don't want to be the CEO anymore. I want to be above the company and I want to be kind of, you know, applying from a chairman or chairwoman level um, and just assisting strategically, helping with funds, and then just jumping in here and there wherever help is needed. So those are kind of the the, the, the progressions there. You, you learn first and then you realize, okay, who can I hire, not how? And then you can progress to eventually becoming the person that sits above the business. Hmm. So where in your life are you feeling like you need to move from, you know, the person who's kind of running everything into that position? Do you have anything right now? Yeah. I mean, well, so for one of the companies, we unfortunately had to fire the CEO. So I, I'm, I'm temporarily sitting in that role okay. at the moment before we, we, we add a replacement. So that would be the one that's top of mind for me right now. So is that kind of your theory on everything? Like you don't want to be like everything you start, you want to move up into the position where you're not even, you are hiring a CEO. Yep. Okay. I, I think it's, um, I, I think it's thinking about where are my strengths and mm. where am I best placed? And I'm a very good, um, starter and, um, you know, I, I I've got a vision. I, I'm a very good starter and I'm great at just learning and teaching. Right. So I should just be focused on creating content. Um, and naturally creating content is a lot of leverage. It'll lead to deals, other relationships, mm-hmm. things like that. And then um, learning also helps me with my vision too. And um, it helps me with kind of, you know, figuring out where we need to go next. So that's where I should be spending the majority of my time. Because if you think about, you know, the, the Warren Buffett's of the world, he just sits most of the time, right? And Rockefeller back in the day, most people don't know that he just spent most of his time thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's the most valuable time. Because if you're, at least for me, if my calendar's all, um, it has a bunch of stuff in it, my mind's all jumbled. And yes. so I'm, I think the more time I can clear out for myself, the, the better. Oh my God. Yes. I, I'm literally finding that right now. Like I need to make sure I have these this time to think because you are that person that it, it, you're coming up with the ideas, the concepts, the mission, the core value, like you're drawing people to you. And if you don't have that time for these things that really, I think like create the magnetism, you know, that makes right. these big ideas or these obsession worthy companies or products. It's like, then you're kind of, you, you kind of got lost. You turned from this visionary into like this person who's just doing and the ideas do not flow from that place for sure. Totally. What do you do to like, when do your best ideas come? What are you doing? Yeah. Great question. Um, so Fridays I try to block it off. So no meetings at all. And then I do kind of try to batch my time. You know, Mondays are basically all meetings and, um, I would say for me also spending the time to, I actually block out time, you know, during the, during the evenings to think for at least 30 minutes. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I might be walking around and walking is actually great for thinking. So I I try to block out as much space as I can. Um, Ideally, I would have a lot more than that. Ideally, I would want a calendar where nothing is booked, but um, you know, we're we're not quite there yet. So. (laughs) 
Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I could talk to you all day. Our time is fleeting. So I want to know what are what are some things, whether it, it, it's, you know, about your book or some ideas that you want people to know, like what is something that you want to leave people with? Yeah, I think, I mean, one concept from the book, um, and I actually um, borrowed this from one of my, the, the, the co-founder of uh, ConvertKit, Nathan Berry. And um, there's this concept of the wealth ladder. And so, you know, the understanding is when we start on the bottom rung of the ladder, we are going to school, right? And then, you know, what happens afterwards is, you know, we're trying to build great habits, right? So school habits, the next level after that would be getting a job. And then maybe one rung above that might be, you know, starting to freelance on the side. And then maybe that goes while you start an agency, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can start like a drop shipping business. But the whole idea here is you can continue to level up. You can level up all the way to building products. You can level up to building a social network. You can level up to building a SpaceX, but there's levels to everything. And again, like I mentioned earlier, you have to defeat the current level to get to the next one. And there's no knock on you if you don't want to go to the next level because most people just don't want to do that. Mm. But um, look, all the levels are there. It's all done by, you know, everything that's been accomplished in the world, it has been accomplished by, you know, other human beings, right? So it's not like you're that far off from other people. And so I think that's really important to understand that I think to your point earlier, you know, if these people that didn't have anything going for them growing up, myself included, can make something happen and create seven, eight, nine bigger plus businesses, there's no way you can't do the same thing. I think it's important to think about, people don't like to talk about this stuff. They like, when I hang out in Clubhouse, there's a lot of these millionaire rooms, right? How to become a millionaire, how to do this, because they're looking for the shortcut, because they're looking Mm -hmm. for, they don't even know what to do with that money first, right? (laughs) I think it's, people don't want to be talking about the long-term stuff, Mm. which is the mindset stuff, right? And the more you refine your mindset, the more you refine how you think, and the more you refine how to also think for yourself, um, the more successful you're going to be. And I, I think that's just the way it is. And by the way, one quote that sticks sticks well with me is um, Chamath Palihapitiya. He basically said, look, for better or worse, capital makes you powerful because you can basically impose your worldview on other people. Again, for better or worse, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. right or wrong, I mean, that's just how our society is. So I think it's really important for people to understand that, hey, it's important to learn how to think, but it's also important to think about how you can kind of build build a foundation for yourself where you don't have to be at the beck and whim of, of someone else. Mm-hmm. So true. Well, I am so grateful for you coming on this podcast and I am excited to finish your book. Like I, this literally just made me like, okay, let, how fast can I read this? So tell me about your book. Where can we get it? All of the things. Yeah, super appreciate it, Lori. Um, so they can go to levelingup.com and, or they can go to their favorite online retailer. And those are basically the only the only ways. Okay, you guys, uh, make sure you go and grab that book. And also, as you guys know, one of the biggest things that you can possibly do for our guests is to tag them on Instagram, upload this podcast, and let them know what your biggest takeaway was. Like, what was your aha moment? Eric, what's your IG handle? It's Eric O-S-I-U. So tag Eric on Instagram and upload this podcast and let him know what your breakthrough moment was. Maybe it was a quote, maybe it was something he shared, but it's always so cool to be able to see how he impacted your life. So you guys, until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. 
Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. I'm so excited to share with you. Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network, and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton, and it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for 
for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community. And everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to Circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.